Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Hello and welcome to the PR Week, PR Week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the worlds of PR and communications. My name's Steve Barrett. I am the Editorial Director of PR Week, and I am going to guide you gently through the next 40 minutes or so, maybe a little less, as we uh, review this week's topics and speak to our esteemed guests. And I have included my apparently signature line at the start at the request of Adam Ritchie, who was missing it. So uh, that's for you, Adam, the gentle guiding line. So uh, I thought most people were sick to death of my uh, my uh, statement saying so, uh, but that one's come back at least for uh, for one week only. And we got Frank Washcook here, who's our executive editor. Frank, did you miss some of my signature sayings? You have to listen to them every day. You must be. Sick I have to. Them. I have to admit, I didn't notice it when you skipped it last week, but evidently many of our, uh, I guess, eagle-eared uh, listeners did. So yeah, kudos absolutely. to Adam Ritchie for for catching that. And, uh, yes. We'll note it going forward. Noted. Duly noted. And we've got Josh Rosenberg here, who's CEO of the Day One Agency. Josh, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Very good. Ready to be calmly guided. So I'm yes, excited. there you go. Gently, gently. We need gently, a little gentle gently. guidance. Gently, and, ca- gently and, and calmly. Yeah, I'm doing well, though. Thank you. <laughs> good to talk to you both. Yeah, we'll talk to Josh and we will get into some of the big stories this week. Usual clutch of social media activations, which uh, we'll talk about. Tiger Woods, terrible accident he had and uh, obviously uh, a a figure highly associated with brands. So we'll talk about that. Texas PR pros, how did they get through the crisis last week? Frank will tell us. We've had a really busy week at PR Week. We're launching some exciting new content activations, whether it's Dashboard Daily, the Femme Forward series of women's blogs, or the What It's Like to Be Black in PR 2.0. So we'll talk about those. Some interesting people hires. GM's hired Daniel Roberts from Facebook, and Google got uh, Dropbox's CCO, Lin Hua Wu. So, uh, yeah, lots to talk about. Um, but let's start with you, Josh. Normally, of course, we would be on 7th Avenue about three or four blocks away from each other and maybe occasionally passing each other on the street at lunchtime going to Pret-a-Manger or wherever we're getting our sandwich or the, the food cart, if it's Frank, because he, he's a, he, you must be really missing that food cart, Frank. Their business must have gone down a lot, the one outside the FIT. Yeah, just just without me not being there, their business probably went <laughs> exactly. down. Exactly, right. I was. It's funny. I was thinking about them the other day, and I was. I'm, I'm hoping they're doing okay. I'm hoping they're uh, staying in business. Yeah, for sure. So, the just Pret, the Pret is actually closed. Oh, has yeah. it? Yeah, it has. Oh. Yeah, one on, Full, yeah. What, like forever. Forever. Well, really... I mean, it looks shut down forever and ever. It's really sad, isn't it? All the businesses, especially yeah. the local businesses. I mean, I used to go to the barbershop around the corner. I know that people who see my face, my, my head, might find that a, a, a surprise. But even bald guys have to get – in fact, you have to get your hair cut more often. But, um, Josh, how's it been? Have you been into the office at all? Have you been um, – how's the team been handling it? And what's work in lockdown been like for people at day one? Yeah, I think um, we've been – getting through it. Um, I think it's obviously been tough for everyone. And I think everyone's handling this very differently um, from 
you know, our perspective, we're still, you know, completely remote um, in all of our offices. Uh, the New York office is open voluntarily, and we have a few people that go in, um, you know, from time to time or every day. Brad, one of my business partners, is in there frequently. I go in about once a week. Um, and, you know, we've had a few launches where the team has congregated, obviously, you know, between plexiglass and six feet apart with masks. Um, but, you know, in order to be together and um, you know, have some sense of collaboration, but, you know, for the most part, we're all remote and, you know, people in screens talking to other people in screens, we're about 104 virtual offices now. Yeah. And how, how have you, has that changed anything for the better? I know there've been some disruptions that people will probably stick with, but how difficult is, what's been the biggest challenge of that over the past year? Cause it is nearly a year now. Interesting. Um, I think there's been some good changes and some, you know, things that we, you know, yearn to go back for. I think on the good part of things, you know, early on in the pandemic, we reorganized our teams into sort of, we call them work from home pods. So we basically took, you know, what may have been a larger 10 to 12 person team on a certain client piece of business and sort of reduced that and reorganized it to do, let's call it, you know, a four to six person team. This way, everyone had a stronger voice and it was easier for our leaders to, you know, manage smaller groups and give everyone the attention and uh, the empathy and help guide them as they needed. Um, I think we also found new ways to work remotely. We launched something called Remotely Creative, um, which is our sort of brainstorming guide to keeping Zoom brainstorms more creative. What we found was, you know, we are a creative agency and it's hard to talk and interrupt and you don't have that spontaneity that you might have or an idea pops up in a live brainstorm in the room. So we've sort of made our brainstorm smaller, giving them more structure, giving some some homework before to make them even more productive and hear from more people. I think, you know, what we miss is the spontaneity and uh, the sort of ability to have a blind path, so to speak, where, you know, you're in the room and you can finish someone else's sentence pretty quickly um, or really, you know, collaborate in the way that, you know, great creative is made. So we yearn for that. Yeah. Have you done any pitches? Well, you must have done some remote pitches. Um, yeah. have, you found, have you found that process? And have you got a higher strike rate virtually or in person? <laughs> That's a good question. We have done some pitches virtually. Um, I think we've been successful where um, we've had either a pre-existing relationship on the other side, so it wasn't something that we're starting from scratch, or um, the process was a longer pitch process where a lot of times the clients had um, tissue sessions where we sort of got to workshop ideas and they got to sort of see how we think and uh, we could see how they think, and I think that helped um, a lot to sort of, you know, make each other comfortable that, you know, we would be the right creative team for them and vice versa. Um, but they've been, you know, awkward, same with, you know, interviewing people and now hiring. It's, you know, just very different uh, to do it completely remotely than uh, in person. Yeah, I mean, I think we've got five or six members of our team who we've never actually met, you know, <laughs> but they're they're essential parts of our team. And we feel like we know them really well, but we've never actually met them in person. So it's going to be kind of cool yeah. when we when we do actually get back in the office and can, can say hi yeah. I to think them. There's, there's, sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, carry on. Oh, I was going to say there's going to be a, a strange period of almost like, you know, it's awkward social interactions when we all yeah. go back to the office, even with people that we do know. Um, yeah. 
for and the people that we don't know just in terms of how we're all gonna uh sort of re-emerge or reconnect yeah no i think you're right now tell us about this thing you've launched called the predictionary i really like this idea it's 21 words that uh, you think are going to shape and define uh, 2021 and there's some really cool, cool words in there vaccination quarantinity so skept- skeptimism yeah. this is tell us all about it so the vaccination is one that i'm yearning for which is the ability to leave um the five boroughs or manhattan um once you're vaccinated um or wherever you are um our team really you know thought long and hard about you know what are those what are 21 terms or 21 ways that we're all being affected um, by the pandemic and how, you know, in 2021, how might these, you know, sort of macro trends affect both how we, you know, communicate with consumers, but also just culture at large. And, you know, the return to travel is obviously one big trend that we're all looking at. And, you know, there's going to be, there is so much pent up demand. It's going to be interesting to see how, where we take our first vaccinations um, and, you know, how that all works um and sort of where we all end up going and what kind of pressures we put on ourselves and our partners and friends to make it you know as amazing as it may have been before well so where's yours going to be then josh i think i think well you told me the other day it won't be to can so um yeah it would be lovely to be in can (laughs) wouldn't it but that that would be that was a worky work occasion um right you need a word for that a a workation workation yeah Um, yeah I, I think Europe for sure. I definitely miss going there and uh, miss some of the culture. Um, but yeah, somewhere in Europe, I haven't figured it out yet because I haven't gotten my vaccine yet. So that's right. that's where the skepticism comes out, right? Am I really yeah. going to get it? When will I get it? But I'm still optimistic. So I, I love that. It's right. a great word, Frank. You'll be going back to Scranton for your uh, vaccination, will you? <laughs> no, I, I won't. But um, no, it's interesting. The point you brought up, Josh, though, is that. Um, yeah, I mean, there's the question of you're vaccinated, but then uh, the pace in a lot of European countries of vaccinating people is, mm-hmm. is supposedly slower than it is here. So then it brings up the question of, you know, not not necessarily are are you vaccinated, but the group of people that are already there vaccinated, too. And there's that whole wrinkle as well. Yeah, I think exactly. the UK is the UK is ahead of the US. So that's an option. But also just because you're vaccinated doesn't mean you're no longer spreading the uh, the mm-hmm. virus. So, you know, that that's where the skepticism comes in or or the quarantinity. This is this is a great. I love this whole whole thing. So I urge everyone to check that out. We'll put the link in the liner notes to this podcast. The other thing you've been doing and we've been writing about is hiring people via TikTok and Reels and, and platforms like that. Tell us how that worked and have you got some really uh, interesting stories or interesting people from that process? Or was it just a PR stunt, Josh? No, it's more than a stunt. It always is. But um, it did get us some headlines, so that was exciting. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's we... Good. You know, Jen, we started something a few years ago called Ask Gen Z, and um, we run AskGenZ.com, which is sort of our own internal and friends of the agency focus group of Gen Zers that we, you know, ask client-related questions to or want something on the pulse. And our Ask Gen Z team, when TikTok was, you know, first bubbling up like 18 months ago, was really excited about it. And one of the, they all wanted to become TikTok famous. And I was fascinated by that and what it takes for them to become TikTok famous. And we have a guy in our office um, who is TikTok famous, and he actually started as an apprentice himself. 
Um, about three years ago, and you know, he has I think half a million followers. And what's fascinating to me is he would like go home on the weekend, and he was you know making all these strange things out of peanut butter or like a Rube Goldberg Goldberg machine, and figuring out ways to earn attention, hop on a trend on TikTok, and get people to notice him. And I was like, this is exactly what we do for our clients. We literally trying to figure out what is the trend, how does our brand fit into that trend and then how from a brand perspective do we create the story that will resonate so i was like well you earn it for yourself on tiktok how can we earn it for our clients that's sort of where we went to find our next round of apprentices so we launched creative since day one over the summer and we ended up hiring two apprentices and one is now full-time as a creative on our team Um, so it's been really interesting to see and learn from the next generation but also for them to help um, our brands realize, you know, how they can connect with the next generation just by listening and creating content that will resonate. It's a great idea. I love it. And uh, then the last thing that we'll chat about, you've obviously one of the sectors that's been really hard hit during lockdown is restaurants, um, takeout restaurants, especially. You did a campaign with Amex and Resi called Takeout Tuesday. Just talk about that one, because it's really important that we support our uh, our restaurants because we, we need them when we go back. Otherwise, where are we going to get lunch? Exactly, 100%. And, you know, that was one of the trends that we had identified just by listening on social was this idea of Takeout Tuesday. Um, And Amex is really looking for a way to, you know, continue to support merchants and also to get card members to help support um, the great merchants in that, you know, that Amex has, um, as well with with Resi. So um, we launched Takeout Tuesday with the team, I think, about two weeks ago. Um, And it's been just fantastic to watch how much participation there's been, both on the restaurant side, I saw, you know, I got an email from Union Square Cafe the other day that was uh, talking about Takeout Tuesday. They're really getting behind it, as well as uh, card members who are really excited to support their restaurants. I've been ordering a lot from Cook Shop uh, with my Takeout Tuesday, um, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, a great way across the country to really support um, those local restaurants who are still in business and trying to make a living and still, you know, provide that hospitality that we all miss. Yeah, no, we really miss that. And I miss going down the pub. I'm English. So the the Crompton Arms, Josh, I just had yeah, to go and Crompton, stand at the, We love that place. Yeah, stand at the bar, have a nice cold beer, talk rubbish to your mates and your work colleagues. So I really That's miss right. that. With landlord Jimmy there. So I hope Jimmy's doing okay. Um, and I hope that Crompton will still be there when we get back. So, yeah. Well, thanks for chatting, Josh. Lots of really creative stuff going on at day one. And uh, do check out that predictionary, and we'll get Josh's input on the other stories as we go through. Frank, what's your sort of takeout? Do you have a takeout day of the week? And you've got uh, all those Park Slope, uh, you know, trendy sort of restaurants to take out from. What's your go-to? Yeah, so I'm, I'm sort of a, of two minds on this. And, and one is that, you know, uh, for your own financial sanity, of course, you want to limit the amount of time you're doing takeout per week. But you also, uh, you do want to be supportive of, of local restaurants, right? And, and, you know, your waistline, of course, you know, building that too. But you want to, you do want to support local places. And, um, and I do think it's important to do that to have a real community. So, uh, I mean, I, I think in theory, we try to keep it to about once a week, but it, it very routinely goes more than that. And I'm, I'm, not too guilty about that yeah i think before i think sort of between in the fall which was really a kind of a, a rough period 
I think I looked at my credit card at the end of the month and I was like, wow, we're actually spending a fortune here, not just on takeouts and deliveries, but also booze as well, you know. And so we did <laughs> kind of rain, rain it in a bit. But, uh, but I guess we were supporting the, the local industry. So we were doing our bit there. Uh, the local wine shop certainly got some good business from us, that's for sure. Um, all right, Frank, let's get into the news stories. Um, there's always some um, interesting social media stories, mainly from PR Week, Diana Bradley. Um, the one that caught my eye this week was Krispy Kreme Donuts and NASA. So talk us through that one. Yeah, uh, interesting activation from Krispy Kreme. Of course, there was the uh, Mars landing of Perseverance, uh, which is is really blown up on social media because of, I think NASA deserves a lot of credit of how they created all those interesting animations um, and breaking down this really difficult, complex science into, you know, the, these bite-sized images that most people can understand. Uh, and so credit to them on that. And then also releasing the footage of the, the sound on Mars that, you know, really got a lot of people talking and a lot of people interested on social media. So a really nice job by NASA uh, on that, you know, making making interesting social media, but digestible social media content out of it. They are actually anyway, really Chris, good, aren't they, on social? Very good. Yeah, yeah. they are very, very good. Um, so Krispy Kreme did a Mars donut, which is caramel glaze red swirl of course it has to be reddish in some way cookie crumbs and chocolate filling uh for one day only uh and it sold out and this is actually something they've been working on for a number of months and they got good earned media out of it they said they got a thousand media placements or so abc nbc fox and friends uh usa today in print um but they have an interesting history with nasa and an interesting tie-in in that uh crispy cream donuts were uh, were served um, when people were working on the launch of Apollo 11, which was the first manned mission uh, from the U.S. to go to the moon. So uh, interesting. I, I had no idea they had this historical tie-in with NASA, and that's cool, too. And, um, yeah, I think it's a good campaign, and they, they really, you know, they, they, they made something of it, too. They didn't just do the coupon or the discount. They made good under media out of it, too, so good for them. Yeah, Josh, you're, you're in the heart of all this work on social media, and these stories get probably get the most engagement on PRWeek.com. Talk us through the, the rules. Well, I don't know if there are rules is the right word, but how do you make sure you, you get it right? And also, what, what's the business value, right? You know, because a lot of people say, yeah, great, you've got all these likes on Twitter or whatever, you know, and it got loads of retweets. Does that actually contribute to the bottom line? And um, what's your sort of argument, and where do you stand on all that? Yeah, what I love about uh, this one in particular is what Frank was saying, too, which is that, you know, Krispy Kreme does have a history in supporting the space program. And I think just knowing that history makes it the story even more interesting and I think allows for more storytelling for them and makes it even more authentic for them to be doing this versus, you know, another brand that might not ha have that history that ju just might be jumping on this, you know, Mars landing. Uh, from a business perspective, I mean, I think it worked. If you think about all the people that went in and bought the or got the free donut, they probably bought a coffee or something else as well. And it got them in there and got them thinking about uh, Krispy Kreme in the end. So I think, you know, it seems like a success to me. And, and is that how you sort of um, measure the success of your social media campaigns? Um, and what, is the one thing that you shouldn't do, you know, because we've seen some people, some spectacular fails as well, haven't we? 
Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think in terms of measurement, right, each of them have different objectives, right? If it is to drive relevancy or awareness, this one seems to have worked with just the sheer amount of, you know, buzz and earned media, but also the fact that it did sell out. Um, I think, you know, there are other ways to measure too. I think a lot of the work that we do for Chipotle in social, it's all about driving digital delivery. So there's ways that we can measure and see, you know, direct spikes um, based on some messaging that we will put out or activations and uh, to see a, a rise in digital orders as a result of that. Um, so I think, you know, it varies per program and per client, but I think it's obviously important to show the return on investment. Yeah, it's all part of the positive noise around the brand, isn't it? So, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm always, i got to be honest, I'm a little skeptical when they say they sold out of these things because they <laughs> almost by definition, they only make a few, don't they? It's like the KFC sun cream that sold out within, you know, minutes or something but I'm, i doubt right. whether they but i doubt that they were shipping container loads of it you know what i mean so but uh, it's a good right. line it's it makes a good story that's for sure but, uh, yeah. yeah i doubt the business metric was selling out i'm sure the business metric was probably more on you know earned awareness and then driving yeah. people or increased traffic to stores which it sounds yeah, like absolutely Frank, um, Tiger Woods, a uh, terrible story about him being involved in a car accident, on a solo car accident early in the morning. And um, it, it, was, it looked like he was lucky to get out of the car. So we thankful that he's still alive. But he was he's obviously been heavily associated with brands over the years. And then, of course, the first time he had a big, uh, you know, uh, controversy around his his personal brand. A lot of brands uh, parted company with him, but he's, he'd he'd remade his reputation, hadn't he? And, and certainly, one of the uh, brands he was associated with was uh, the CEO's uh, was speaking publicly about this, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Um, and that's the CEO of Genesis uh, Motor Company, which is a division of Hyundai. Uh, the CEO is Mark Del Rosso. And he, I, I, he was sort of prompted to put out a statement about the crash that the Tiger Woods suffered because it was in a Genesis, Genesis GV80 SUV. Um, and it was a courtesy car uh, for a tournament sponsored by the company uh, that Woods was playing in. And there was a lot of speculation in the media about the safety features within the Genesis and, you know, were they actually so good that maybe did they save his life or did they prevent him from suffering further injury? Uh, so Del Rosso put out a statement, just a, you know, pretty simple, once uh, two sentences just saying, you know, he was heartbroken to hear that uh, Woods was in the accident and that, uh, you know, thoughts and prayers were with him and the family. Uh, I also have to say, I mean, I've, I've been a bit disappointed in a lot of the media coverage of the the accident that Tiger Woods was in. A lot of it that focused on, you know, w- would he golf again and would he get to the PGA Tour again? And honestly, I think when you when you see a crash like that, your first thought is is well, can this guy just just have a normal life again? Will he will he walk uh, again? And, yeah, and in, interact with his kids and 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 things like that. Uh, so I, I have to say, I was a little disappointed in the coverage of it. I think though that from the reaction standpoint, I do think that the Genesis CEO probably had to say something. And uh, he probably you know, pitched it quite level. nicely, actually, didn't he? Probably pitched it very yeah. very uh, appropriately, I think. And I do feel it's an it's an appropriate statement that he he did too. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Josh, I mean, when you're working with celebrities, you know, we saw this with uh, Bruce Springsteen and the Jeep uh, campaign, and then it suddenly emerged that Bruce was, you know, involved in a DWI case 
which he subsequently, um, well, he was fined $500 for. But that this is one of the dangers, I guess, of working with any influencer or celebrity, isn't it? That, that they may be subject to negative publicity and that can scupper all your best laid plans. Yes, 100%. I think obviously even beyond any due diligence, there's things that you can't even, you know, fathom or that will come up. So I think it's, again, finding the right partners and, you know, really, you know, a little bit, there's a little bit of luck to it, too. Obviously, a lot of good research and due diligence, but, um, you know, trying to find people that can deliver and don't have the checkered past, um, even or that are, you know, completely honest and you know exactly what you're getting into, um, which I think yeah, that was the, the bit. same as what happened yeah. with Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, that, yeah, we're, we're conflating two different things here. Well, I am. So, uh, we, you know, I would have thought the Springsteen one, all they had to do was a Google search and they would have seen that. That's exactly. the story about that. So that was just a basic kind of letdown in the in the due diligence. With Tiger, obviously, you can't predict a car crash and, and uh, I'm not suggesting there was any fault uh, uh, involved with that. So we wish him the best. I mean, he's a great sports person. I think yeah. we all loved him coming back and winning the Masters after such a – and, in fact, he just just had his fourth or fifth back surgery, so literally recently. So he's getting far too, far too um, regular visits to the hospital. But, uh, yeah, we wish him well. Um, Frank, big crisis in Texas last week with power outages and really cold weather. But uh, PR Pro stepped up to the plate and did what they do best, yeah? Yeah, really, really uh, stunning, really. Just the electrical outages in Texas this week, which led to a number of other things, uh, which included water shortages for a number of people. And a number of people, um, as we record this on Thursday, are still having issues uh, with the water. Um, But I I would say a lot of people in, in this industry are resilient. They're used to working in somewhat uncomfortable conditions and adapting. I, I always think back about that survey that we did uh, in 2020 that you know came down to the word agility, and I think you see a lot of that here. Yeah. In that you have you have folks using you know new technology, um, and you know the, the all of the learnings from working remotely from so much this year to figure things out this year, and sometimes that is people from other offices picking up work that the folks in Texas uh, might have been focusing on or, you know, counseling clients that you should really just focus on things that are storm related or power outage related instead of, you know, more consumer facing promotion. Um, And a lot of folks talked about, you know, working with clients in Texas and them being a bit more understanding, uh, you know, than they would normally be about, about, deadlines and when you can get things done and what you can do and things like that. But I think that the the top line is that it shows, you know, real agility, real ability to get things done uh, in, in circumstances that aren't ideal. Yeah, it's key skill for any PR pro for sure. And uh, they've displayed it uh, in spades down there. So, yeah, let's talk about our, uh, content launches this week, Frank. Dashboard Daily launched on Monday. It's a daily email newsletter all about comms tech and we've been we've been doing dashboard for about a year now, but we did it every two yeah. weeks. We've really ramped it up. It's a daily product now, and we launched our dashboard twenty five list of movers and shakers, the class of twenty twenty one. Give us give their listeners the the sell on dashboard and what we're looking for as well, because we want pitches, don't we? We do want pitches, and we want pitches about communications technology and even some 
uh, marketing technology that has an impact on uh, earned media or, or an impact on the communications world. Uh, Dashboard 25, which we launched the daily dashboard newsletter with, is a, ter a terrific list of some of the most innovative, important um, the people within this comms tech space. It includes some uh, some people from the comms tech provider side, like uh, some of our loyal listeners might remember uh, Ben Breen from uh, Canary, who was on the podcast, I want to say in the past year. Yeah, uh, definitely. But we definitely. Also, also have some folks like Hina Balak from General Motors. Um, and we have all kinds of agency people here who are really leading the way. Like I'll give you a, for instance, here with Jim O'Leary from Edelman. Edelman continues to roll out, uh, their own, uh, comms tech technology. And he's one of the folks that's at the forefront of that. So we get a wide spectrum of people in here. Uh, it's part of dashboard daily. It's, it's a really must read newsletter every morning, uh, just before noon, uh, for all of the folks out there who have a lot of questions about what kind of comms tech they should be using, what are the offerings out there, you know, what is the best for their type of business, which is, you know, a pain point that we hear a lot about. So um, we think this is really meeting a need out there uh, for decision makers in the industry. Yeah, definitely. It involves in-house people. It's key agency folk, vendors, tech firms. Um, so all three segments of the profession, we're looking for pitches at dashboard at prweek.com, whether it's your news stories, product updates, case studies, op-eds, send them through. We're looking for content. Um, Josh, uh, PR pros can't all be right brain now, can they? There has to be a, an element of left brain, at least on your teams. You know, you must have that mix. Yeah. To, how, how important is comms tech in for day one and, and the work you do? I think it's really important. We saw some of our great friends on the list, whether that's, you know, Greg from Muckrack or Paul from Newswhip or even Laura at Publicist. And I think, yeah, they're all doing such um, wonderful things to advance the industry. I think also, you know, I'm looking forward to all your coverage, especially now that there's a whole new um, sort of place for it around some of the case studies, right? How other brands yeah. are using ComStack to understand not only you know, sort of the ROI, but also, you know, how can we find some of those interesting nuggets or cultural insights that, you know, can help drive earned storytelling. But I think it's really important uh, to have those insights that feed into uh, the creative process. Yeah, I think so. It's a growing part of the profession. So that's why we've doubled down on it. So do check it out, please. Let us know what you think. Dashboard at, uh, at prweek.com. Um, two other launches this week. We launched our Femme Forward series of blogs with one by Jackie Cox Battles for Zeno. Really powerful piece, actually, talking about her experience over the last 12 months as a PR pro, as a woman, and as a mom, because we've seen data that shows that um, one in four women has either can downsize their career or considered giving up work altogether. And uh, the National Women's Law Center, uh, data from them showed that 80% of all workers over the age of 20 who left the workforce in January were women. You know, these are stunning, stunning stats. Women are exiting their jobs at four times the rate of men. And uh, we wanted to shine a light on that. Um, in the as we sort of move toward International Women's Day in March and uh, Women's History Month, and also our Hall of Fame class of 21, which will be unveiled at the start of April. So 
great piece by Jackie, and I do please please check it out and um, look out for the other blog uh, articles. Every Tuesday they'll come out. We'll have some news next week, big exclusive news on other um, other things going on in that space. And we have a clubhouse discussion on Monday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern uh, in the Markholms Club, where I gather together folks every Monday, same time, and uh, we'll be talking about that. And Jackie will be joining us for that. So really great series. And then uh, today we launched, uh, well, Thursday, we launched uh, our uh, What It's Like to Be Black in PR. Well, sorry, it was Wednesday. I'm getting my days mixed up. It's COVID. Sorry. Um, What It's Like to Be Black in PR 2.0. That follows our first film in 2018. So we went back. Sabrina Sanchez uh, did a great job uh, gathering that together. And Alana Shaposh uh edited it all together and um it's a nice film so do check that out and um i think frankly you know the the diversity equity and inclusion those two uh initiatives really um reflect two sides of that coin don't they yeah for sure and and i wouldn't go back to what you said about this new fem forward series i think that uh what jackie wrote was really um I'm really glad she did because this this it really is it's it's a national crisis in a lot of ways. It's a personal crisis for a lot of people who are just overwhelmed right now and need things to get back to some sense of normalcy as soon as possible. It's a it's a professional crisis. It is a talent crisis. It's it's all it's a lot of different things, and um, I'm really happy we could hear her perspective on it. Um, I think that uh, I, I'm really glad we and, and Sabrina especially did the what it's like to be black in two point black in PR 2.0 video, just because it it is the landscape has changed a lot here after 2020 and after the uh, acts of injustice that a lot of people saw last year. You know, most notably with George Floyd, um, and there is such a higher demand for agencies and companies to do better in this place. And I think you saw that echoed in, in, in the statements of the folks in the video. Uh, you, you know, we're like uh, Candace Steele Flippin, chief communications officer at Acuity Brands. So she's, she's warning agencies to recognize the statements and activities and, and donations and things of this nature are great, but they also need to be meaningful and companies need to put real work in on this. And I, I think that's that's absolutely true. I mean, companies have to go beyond just just putting statements out on things on this topic because it is very important. Yeah, there's still a long way to go from that film, um, but um, progress being made. Um, Josh, those you know, seventy percent of people in PR are women, so you know this is these big macro social issues are, are even more relevant to PR as a profession, aren't they? I, yeah, I think that's also why empathy is so important and really helping to listen to all of our colleagues and help them do the best work that they can do and be the best people both outside and inside the company. And Jackie's uh, story was so poignant. It was, you know, I read it last night um, and all that she's going through and, you know, it's not obviously just her, it's, you know, a whole generation of women and of moms and of, um, are all of our colleagues and clients. So, you know, how can we all be there for them and also, you know, help um, the next generation along too? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So look out for that series. It's uh, going to run for the next six weeks or so. Frank, quick roundup of uh, people stories, Daniel Roberts and uh, Lin Hua Wu. 
Yeah, a few, and, and some of them touching on the technology space. First of all, General Motors uh, brings on one of our 40 under 40 2019 uh, alums, uh, and that's Daniel Roberts from Facebook. Uh, so he is going to be focusing on new innovation and growth communications. He's set to join GM midway through next month. Um, he has a really interesting career, both in the public and private sector. He's worked for Facebook, uh, worked for former First Lady Michelle Obama, worked for the legendary uh, former Congressman Elijah Cummings, uh, worked in the Obama administration. Uh, and like I said, most recently worked at Facebook and led pro- uh, policy communications all up and down the East Coast, in Boston, Philadelphia, Atlanta, Miami, Washington, D.C. So interested to see what he brings to GM. Um, another interesting global role, uh, uh, Google, bringing on former lead of communications at Dropbox, Lin, ha, Lin Wa Wu. Uh, she's going to be VP of comms there, reporting up to Corey DeBrawa. Google is such a big company. She just she has a wide role in and of itself, and it's only part of communications there. And she's going to be overseeing it for search ads, commerce, uh, geo payments, and what they call the next billion users group, which <laughs> sounds tremendously ambitious, uh, as well as our global business organization, comms teams. Uh, and like I said, she's coming over from Dropbox. She's also worked at Square, Brunswick, Keck, CNC. Yeah, it's two great diverse hires. So, you know, I'm good to see uh, you know, communicators of color getting great jobs at the top of organizations. Really good. I want to say RAP to the founder of PR Week, uh, Jeffrey Lace. Uh, in the UK, he founded PR Week in 1981, and uh, he passed away recently. And uh, he sold PR Week to Haymarket, which owns PR Week now and is our holding company. He sold it to us in 1988. But he, he's the person that's responsible for us being here, ultimately. So he's a colourful character. You can read the obit on PR Week, uh, the UK section of the site. And um, our, our, our condolences to Jeffrey's family. And uh, But um, he... Uh, He's he's passed away recently, so R.I.P. Jeffrey Lace. Um, Josh, thank you so much for joining us and uh, being Thanks a guest. Thanks for having week. me. And uh, we're all going to check out the me. yeah, we're all going to check out the predictionary and um, see if we can add a few more words to it. But I like that. I love that idea. Really good. Very creative, as we would expect from day one. Frank, thank you so much. Um, always a pleasure. And uh, Frank's having a well-deserved week off next week, so we'll have. Um, Alida Stam will be hosting the show with me. Um, just don't forget the Brand Film Awards. The, the final deadline for that is March 4th. We want to make that the best possible festival of brand film and, and some great work coming already. We want to see all the good films entered into that. If you are, want to be in the agency business report, uh, either in the rankings table or considered for a profile you need to get your submission in otherwise we won't be doing we won't be in there so you've only got until march the third so time running out for that um pr week awards are on march 18th the oscars of the pr industry we won't be meeting in person but we will be meeting virtually and we will still have a great party so do get your ticket for that and then pr week connect our global virtual conference that is on April the 13th and that's going to go round the globe. So we're going to start in Europe, go to Asia and then come round to, uh, or it might be the other way around actually start in Asia, go to Europe and come round to the U S and uh, we've got Mark Reed from WPP signed up to kick off the U S segment of that 
content. So uh, that's on April the 13th to do. So do have a look out for that. Um, If you just search PR Week Connect, uh, you will find the website. But that's all we got time for. We'll see you next time on the PR Week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the PR Week. To find more episodes, visit PRWeek.com.